We Are Donation podcast reports and opinions are not those of UGA. This is not an official podcast of the University of Georgia. At least not yet. What a wonderful day in Lexington, Kentucky on yesterday afternoon as our dogs take the field and on the East for the second year in a row. That makes it 12-0 the past two years versus the SEC East as our dogs take care of the Kentucky Stray Cats, 34-17. I said 41-13, 34-17, kind of close, but really, really, it should have been like 49-3 or 49-10. Kind of lost a couple turnovers there, but hey, either way it go. We are the SEC champions, and we're going back to Atlanta this time around again to to defend our SEC crown against the Alabama Crystal Tide. We'll get to that later on, probably down the line, another episode. But right now, we're going to focus on being champs right now because up next, we do got Auburn we got to take care of. We do got to take care of, well, well UMass and Georgia Tech. So we'll finish out 11-1, and we'll get more to Alabama talk as the time gets closer. But anyway. I just want to re- recap a little bit from last week. Now, last week, great week. You know, we beat Florida, all the good stuff. I want to kind of recap on something real quick because what was real funny to me, I saw somebody on social media, on Facebook, on one of those, uh, you know, Facebook groups saying how, oh, Georgia only won eight times in the last 29 years. Now they're supposed to be back. Get out of here. Really? So, me being me, I responded back to that person. I said, well, First of all, if you're going to tell, tell the history, tell the whole entire history. Because, yes, Georgia has won for the eighth time against Florida the past, 20, past 29 years. But also, there was a time before that where Florida only won 11 times in 29 years. Another time before that where Florida only won eight times in 29 years. So, look at this straight. We've been owning Florida for a long time, and the league only will get larger. Of course, when I said that, he had no response to it. Typical Florida Gator fan. But anyway, now on to Kentucky. Kentucky, Kentucky, Kentucky. You are still a basketball school. They had the nerve to say Kentucky's not just a basketball school anymore. It's a football school. No, it's not. You had one good year. I mean, you, you, you beat Missouri by one touch by one point. You beat Vanderbilt by, by one touchdown. You, you didn't blow anybody out. You had a really good year. Congratulations. But you're not back. Then This is where I knew. I mean, I never had any doubt we are going to beat Kentucky because they are Kentucky. But this is where I really knew, okay, they're going to lose this game. And they're going to lose the bid. They put up billboards in Times Square, New York, advertising Benny Snell and somebody else, um, I guess, for voting for, for awards and stuff like that. And even the coach said, well, they deserve it. Deserve it? You ain't do nothing yet. You haven't won anything. And he started talking about how this is the biggest game in Kentucky history. This will be a chance for us to go to the SEC Championship game in Atlanta. We've never been before. We're not saying we'll be Alabama, but, you know, at least we can go. So let me get me straight. Stop. Let me get this straight. You're going for second place. You don't deserve to go in the first place. And so it was good to see all the faces. I don't know why they just thought we were going to lose. But to see all their faces and disappointment, like, man, we're losing. Yes, yes, you are. You haven't won in eight years. Now it's nine years. Do y'all, I mean, if I'm a Kentucky fan, I got, you, got, you got to be realistic. Kentucky has beaten Georgia 12 times 
in the history of their program. 12. As in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 times in their program history has Kentucky beat Georgia in football. How many times has Georgia beat Kentucky? 57. So I don't know why y'all just thought, oh, this is our moment, this is our time. It's the, greatest, it's the biggest game in Kentucky history. Really? This is why y'all Kentucky. Then old Benny Snell. Benny Snell running his mouth. Benny Snell said, you know, well, yeah, they got four and five-star players over there, but, you know, I know all the, all the three-star coming up, but, you know, you put a three-star against a five-star, you can tell who's really good. They're four and five-star going against each other, so they, they might not, may, not, may not be that good. Uh, that made no sense to me when he said that. But anyway, so, yeah, Benny Snell. Yeah, that, that, that didn't make any sense. Then he says, he quoted himself, using his last name. Can Kentucky beat uh, Georgia? Snell, yeah. Well, Snell, no. Y'all ain't have a chance to Snell to beat Georgia. What were you thinking? So let's get to Benny Snell stats. He had 20 carries for 73 yards and got a touchdown in there. He was all excited, but dude, it's just one touchdown. But our boy showed up running that ball, running that rock, 271 yards between uh, between Holyfield and uh, Swift. And speaking of Swift, Swift looks to be 100%. Things are starting to click at the right moment now. I know y'all saw that nasty cut he did for the very first touchdown. And then the rip of an 83-yard touchdown, he looks phenomenal. Holyfield looking really good. Everything's starting to click now at the right moment, at the right time. If you go back early on in the season, I said, you know, the good thing about this team, you know, we're young. By the time season end get here, a lot of that youth and all that mistake is going to be caught up. You have a whole year of experience by the time we hit December. And I can see stuff starting to click. The fact that we got 68% of our team are freshmen and sophomores, is exciting. Like we had four freshman linebackers play yesterday. And Channing Tindall got a South Carolina, I'm going to play out of South Carolina getting the sack. Adam Anderson in there making some plays. Quay Walker in there making some plays. It was just a really great day in Lexington, Kentucky. So we're looking forward to this team here. It's like I'm not trying to rule out 2018 saying we can't win it all this year. I'm not trying to rule out 2019. But I'm looking at by the time 2020 class get here, with that 17 class and that 19 class and the 18 class all molded in one, I'm I'm not trying to rule out 2019 saying, hey, get ahead of myself. I'm telling you that 2020 year, not only are we winning it all, I think I might have said it before, but not only are we winning it all in 2020, nobody's coming close. That's going to just solidify that dynasty portion. Because hopefully, in my in what my prediction is, we have two out of the next three years, 19 and 20. I would take it 18 too, but definitely 19 and 20. I look for us to be national champions. All right, coming up next, I want to get a little Jake Fromm talk, some stuff I've looked upon him about. Got me kind of very excited talking about little Justin Fields. And we'll talk a little uh, Auburn talk and people coming up, all that good stuff. And so, be right back.
Okay, so welcome back. So, as we all know, Jake Fromm did a great job turning that corner uh, last week against Florida. And this week he did a good job as well. Didn't do quite as well against uh, Kentucky as he did last week, but didn't need to because the running game was just on fire. So, DeAndre Swift and Holyfield, they really took care of business. But anyway, I looked up some information on the 2020 mock draft. And the 2020 mock draft, they have Tua Tungavailoa going number one overall. But right behind him with the number two overall pick, they got Jake Fromm going. So it got me to thinking because I was kind of wondering about that because I thought maybe he might have fell off a little bit off the mock draft uh, predictions. And it said as of October 20th, they still had him listed after the after the LSU game. They still had him listed as a first future, a future first round draft pick. So, if that continues and Jake Fromm continues to improve and get better, that goes good for the program overall because that'll still give Justin Fields two years. And the, the thought might have came up, or maybe some I might have mentioned, mentioned this before, but I'll just say it again. Because you no know, rumors going around saying we might lose him, he might transfer, uh, referring to Justin Fields. That would not make sense right now because if Justin Fields left right now, he could not play in 2019. He had to wait to 2020. And if Jake Fromm would be a first-round draft pick in 2020, might as well stay at Georgia. And then some other guys, well, well before I get to Justin, uh, Justin Fields, also in that mock draft, also predicted in, predicted in the first round, is the left tackle, Andrew Thomas, and also Cal... Uh, Riley really is also predicted to go in the first round as well, kind of twenty twenty draft. So already we got three Bulldogs predicted to go first round. So that's pretty awesome, exciting. And so we get to a little bit of Justin Fields here. You know, people kind of wondering about Justin Fields. I know he put a, he posted a tweet saying, you know, trust the process. Come to find out, that's actually part of what the team has been talking about and preaching. Trust the process. He just tweeted out what the team had been saying. But I think some people kind of took that as, well, maybe he's talking about, you know, no, it was a control thing you can control. And he tweeted it out. So maybe people talk, took it as, you know, he might transfer him and he get upset. But where Kirby Smart is is that this past Tuesday, he had the best practice he had all year long. And Wednesday, he had a good practice as well. And he's talking about how good – how much better he's getting is he's getting week by week. Then he used Justin Fields as an example, how Justin Fields, Justin Fields is buying into the program. He said how Justin Fields, he he, he talked about it, say, Kirby Bratton on Justin Fields and said, here's a guy who did not get in against uh, Florida, never complained, never said a word, went right back to work, working hard, cheering everybody on, giving high fives, being very through the asset. And so that got me really excited because I saw an article talking about maybe people have underestimated Justin Fields' character. And so, yeah, this day and age is very popular when you're your five-star quarterback or you know, your five-star whatever you are and wide receiver or running back or whatever is very not that common that you would sit there and wait or just be patient. You want to start right away. But Justin Fields has a different character. I mean, Justin Fields came into this thing knowing what Jake Fromm did. And he still committed to UGA. I mean, he could have backed out. 
but he's still committed. So, I mean, he saw him in there playing well. He saw him in there uh, winning the SEC championship game, all the good stuff. He, he enrolled early, so he knew already. So, hats off to Justin Fields being a great team player. I would love to see some more of him uh, get on the field. Uh, I love to see Jake continue to get better and better, too, as well. So, it's very sad about the history of the program and what this is saying about our quarterbacks because to have these two guys who I believe can be two first two uh, first round draft picks going to the pros, that's gonna help our quarterback situation even better for years to come down the road. Oh, I also gotta talk about how great the recruiting has been uh at Georgia, especially offensive line. You know, we we lose the offensive linemen here, they're getting hurt. Uh, Lamont Gilliard goes out. He's hurt. He, hoping he'll be back next week. Um, Kate Mays, the true freshman, gets hurt. Who took over Ben Cleveland, who was a redshirt, redshirt sophomore, who had broke his leg, but he's back in practice now. But to have so much depth on the offensive line and so much depth um, in the team where you can replace somebody and don't miss a beat. You know, I saw what Desmond Howard was talking about. Well, Georgia missing two defensive linemen. They're going to lose today. <laughs> no, no, no. Because we got a big boy who's 6'8", 330, playing defensive line in Jordan Davis, clogging in that middle. He's a freshman. And so, it's very, very happy, very proud of our program. Again, like I said, 68% of our team are freshmen and sophomores. So, if, if there was going to be a year to get Georgia and beat Georgia in the SEC East, this was it. And they didn't do it. Like I said, we're 12-0 in the past two years versus the SEC East. Next up, we got Auburn. Auburn, as you, if you haven't noticed already, they are struggling. Um, they are not the same team they was last year, and now they got to come to our home field. So our players, uh, I don't think they're going to have a letdown. I don't believe that. I believe they're going to come out firing off all cylinders because we already had one loss, and they know what they're trying to do, what Kirby is preaching. There's only one team um, in the past several years at Alabama that had that went undefeated. Everybody else had lost like one game. And so we're not going to let that one game get in the way because we came, what, a blown coverage away for being a one-loss team in national championships last year too. And so it's, the, the, the team still had that nasty foul taste in their mouth and, their, and uh, that bitter loss last January. And they're hungry. And so they're not, not going to have a letdown. Trust me, the team knows what happened against Auburn last year. And although we got payback in the SEC Championship game, now it's payback again on our home field. We're going to embarrass Auburn. We really are. And I'm hoping that they black it out and put them wear black jerseys. I really hope so. Uh, Lord Kirby, he might just have them wear all red, but maybe the fans decide, decide to wear all black. I don't know. But it would be really, really, really nice to have everybody in the stands blacked out and have um, – the players with black jersey on come seven o'clock Saturday night. Can cannot wait for that game. Oh, mm-mm-mm. gonna be marvelous, marvelous, marvelous. Night game in the fall. I love it. Anyway, and of course after that we got the UMass Minutemen. Um, yes, that's their real name. Um, then you got you got a little little brother down the road, Georgia Tech. They got to come here. So we will finish out eleven to one very strong, and then we'll see Alabama for the rematch, and I know Alabama's doing very well and looking very strong, but I tell you what, a little kind of inside, and I'll talk more about it later on, but 
I think the emotion, you know, we're young and we're talented and they got a little more experience. Um, I think the emotion of that loss is going to play a lot into that game come December 1st. And that gives us a chance to knock off Alabama and hopefully this time put them out of the uh, playoff line. So we shall see. Anyway, coming up coming up this week here, I'm going to say my prediction against Auburn. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna slap them around real good. We're gonna slap them around real good. Pay them back. So being a complete and total trash this year, let's say Georgia puts up forty five, and Auburn puts up thirteen. Mm, I give Auburn seventeen points. Forty five seventeen dogs win. As always, I appreciate you guys so very very much. Uh, I'm still hitting. In the 40s every week for listeners. That really blesses me. I really appreciate you guys listening and coming back over and over again. It lets me know I'm doing something right. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, please, please, please come back. If um, you are a return listener, thank you very much. If you haven't already, follow me on Twitter at We Are Doll Nation. Follow me on Instagram at We Are Doll Nation. And subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate you guys as always. I'll see you next time and have an awesome and wonderful Bulldog week and go dogs. Sickle.